Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon here with illustrious Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a good word, but I could say you're redheaded now. I'm redheaded now. Yeah. I'm not sure when that happened. I don't know. But you are now officially a redhead. I've kind of lost track. I don't. I don't pay attention. So so. My girlfriend colors my hair when she wants to color my hair, and whatever happens, happens. Do we, should we have a discussion about this? If you want to. Because your hair is red. I know. Well, I am Irish, so why not? Okay, but it's not red in that way. <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't have to look at it. So. Well, anyway, <laughs> good morning, everyone. Um, I'm commenting on Lou's hair because in the past two weeks, we have yet again, the shades have changed. So. Every guy in a relationship knows this position. You, just, you, you pick your battles. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I understand. Kind of. I don't know if it would go to the red hair, but... Trust me, John picks his battles, too. You what? John picks his battles, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. And he's he a warrior. He win. <laughs> and he's a warrior, so... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I had a lovely weekend. I had a lovely birthday. Happy birthday. Thank yeah. you very much. And and I'm gonna give a little plug to the beautiful inn that you should go to. And of course, they're not paying me for this. So this is free advertisement. But I just thought it's a lovely inn. If you're in the New Hampshire region up in the White Mountains, um, and you want to stay at a beautiful bed and breakfast, mm -hmm. the inn innkeeper owners, um, Mike and Erica. Oh my gosh, you know, I don't even know their last name, but now we're all besties because yep. I adore them and they have three lovely children and two dogs. They have chickens and turkeys and things out in the back and whatever. Yeah. So it's the Inn on Golden Pond. Oh, of course. And it's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm sure it's really beautiful when it's not a blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> like it was this last weekend. Oh, you traveled on, you traveled on a weekend with a blizzard? Yes. Oh, you're getting away from it, I guess, going up to the White I, Mountains. Well, it was it was not as bad up there as it was down here, but it was very blustery, and the wind was definitely scary because I drove in it on Saturday night because mm -hmm. I had to go up further north for dinner and the ice castles, which is that really cool oh. thing to do up in um, Lincoln. So it's in the Lincoln New area. Woodstock, New Hampshire. So, it's in Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be in Lincoln. Now it's in Woodstock. No, I meant the. And it was so cold that my face, my face, my face froze <laughs> and I fell <laughs> in the ice castle. Yeah. Now you own it. Yep, it was. Yep, <laughs> I fell not in the spot where it was the slide. I just fell in the ice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's icy. It was very crazy. But anyway, the Inn on Golden Pond is a lovely place. If people are looking for something romantic to do for Valentine's Day, I do know that they have a lovely set of suites up there that are um wonderful they have a nice fireplace a beautiful tv in the suites living room. and a they bed and breakfast. Great breakfast mike yeah. is a fantastic chef like spot on amazing chef so what town is this it bed is and breakfast it in? is right over the border of ashland slash holderness right along squam okay squam lake so and my friends happen to live right across the, the lake. So they have a summer house there. And I'm laughing going, oh, my gosh, I never even knew this was right here. Did you skate over? I did not do that. Yeah. But there were lots of ice fisher people mm -hmm. and lots of snowmobiling. And, and it was it was their activities. I'm On Sunday, the weather was really beautiful. But the blizzard really took a toll on people. Ice fishing. And, and there's no, and there's no um, cell service. Oh, really? And that well, yeah. there is, but you have to be like right inside, like a spot. That's a plus. Or you have to go to the gas station. I don't get ice fishing. Why? I I don't know. It's just it's every activity, at least at some point, you think. Uh, uh, I could see why. I guess it's not for me, but I can see why ice fishing. No, I don't. I don't get it at all. Well, I think it's. I, I, I've never been ice fishing, but I have to say that I think it's one of those activities, like a self-care activity, you know, kind of along the health and wellness lines. That people Not the way I was going to put it, but I had the same idea. It's a marriage care well, well, activity. You know, we, okay. <laughs> well, there's women out there, too, implying that well, women are out there the, marriage caring for themselves as well. No, it works for them, too, because the husband's what gone for the I was going to say, yeah. Lou. Yep. Lou, what mm -hmm. I was going to say psychologically is that it's, I think it's just like, you know, regular fishing in terms of the mindset. It's the self-care. It's like, if you go fishing, you go out on the water. I know that they're like events for these, for these folks, because they, these folks, I 
sound like I'm yeah. 90. Um, because they have their beautiful little huts, they're all decorated. I saw one with Patriots on it, I saw one with Red Sox on it. Um, they've got their little fire out there, they're doing which always kills me. Like they've got a fire pit thingy on the ice yep. while they're fishing. And I'm like, how do we not? fall through but nonetheless you know so it's like a little event and it's a self-care thing whether it's for the marriage care of the female or the male or the male and male and female female whatever partnership you have yep i agree but i think that's a wonderful family thing too because you see all the snowmobiles out there and so i think it's a great winter activity for people that like to do that kind of stuff mm. i'm not going to do that you know, fires on ice you and i'm showing my age but i used to play hockey in the ponds and at night, we'd light fires. We'd roll tires out and light fires in them. Yeah, that is um, something I don't do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it, but it always is just one of those perplexing things. You're talking me. the early 70s here, so. Yes. Well, I am younger than you. Yes. Don't forget. Yep. Although you have red hair, <laughs> I am younger than you. Yep. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> now I'm going to have congestion. Thank you very much, because the studio, I'm allergic to it. You're allergic to the studio? Yes. Okay. Every time I come in here. And then I leave and everyone thinks I have COVID. There's nothing in there. To be allergic to, it's all plastic. How are you? <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, so anyway. Hair color? Are you allergic to hair color? What? Are you allergic to hair color? Possibly. But I didn't get that close to you, so. <laughs> <laughs> what would your Wednesday be without me? No, it's just. I, I... Would it be better? No, absolutely not. Okay, so there, fine. Yeah. Um, we, can we move along now? Yes. Okay, you sure? Of course. Okay. Anyway, so today I thought we have not we have not regrouped and talked about our 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 fitness goals and our resolutions, and now we're at the second day's the second right of February. Yes. Did everyone make it through January and actually keep to their goals because they micro goaled or did they fall apart on the nineteenth and? and go back to all their stuff no not all i'm good and i've added i've kept to my goals and i've added so and have you made improvements yeah good how's the water intake the water intake is fine i'm doing how's I'm doing your urination well. <laughs> a little personal but <laughs> well because of the water it's, you know what i mean yeah no, i'm fine i'm good so you have acclimated yeah so you're not doing i was talking to my friend last night about her water intake and increasing it and She's like, I don't want to have to drink 157,000 <laughs> ounces of water. Yeah. Like, well, it keeps you full and it cleans you out. So, yeah, but, but have some tea and it doesn't have to be water, water. No. Yeah. No. Well, no, because it has caffeine in it. No, no, no. Don't. Well, like a green tea or something is a minimal well, amount of caffeine. As long as it doesn't have caffeine, if it has caffeine, you have to actually add in yeah. extra ounces of water. So, if you're doing it that way, yeah. remember. So, if people have never heard me talk about this before, you do half your body weight in ounces in water mm -hmm. a day. And that doesn't have to be straight water. It can be flavored water as long as there's no sugar in it or soda water or watermelon. <laughs> how are you going to measure how much yeah. water content's in that? But nonetheless, you can yep. get your water. But if you add caffeine or if you're drinking something like soda, that does not count towards your water content. Anyway. I added planking from last week. and You planked? Doubled my time, yes. You planked? Yes. How long are you up to? I, I don't. <laughs> it was a low bar, but I doubled Four my time. Four seconds. No, I'm up to 40 something. Oh, that's. Oh, my God. Lou, yeah. I'm so impressed. Mm -hmm. I really am. You get like the gold star today. Jeez. <laughs> what? I, I'm being genuine with you. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> well, there was a point in my life when I was an athlete, too. I know it was years ago, but still. I know that, but it takes a little while to regain that, especially around planking, because you have to, it's, it's, but that's where your core is going to really give you some good yeah. oomph. So I have had multiple conversations this week and with lovely people about um, a variety of topics that I thought would be beneficial for people around as they're getting into their health and wellness part of the year around attention deficit issues. Ooh. And oh, yeah. attention deficit and a natural healing in general around mental health issues and, and health and wellness and how the body heals itself. And also, I thought I would talk a little bit about um, I started teaching my class for the semester last week and and it's a prime time to start talking. I teach in the drug and alcohol program, as you know, um, for counselors to become counselors for that 
affliction of mm -hmm. addiction. And so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that today since a lot of people made it through sober January. Um, I was going to do sober, complete sober February. And I started it because there's only 28 days. <laughs> Don't laugh yet. Yeah. I started it with two days prior to it starting in February. And then last night I had a Mai Tai. <laughs> <laughs> well. So I'm starting today. So I made it two days and then I had a Mai Tai. Yep. Well. Or two. Yeah. So, um, but I thought we would discuss those topics today because they're timely. And I think that people are definitely trying to stay on their micro goaling and stay ahead of them. And so I say it as funny that I had my Mai Tai two days and three days into my yeah. sober month, but to show that, well, we all fall off and have to start over. So, and it's fine. So today's the new day, but, um, what, what is the, what is the challenge of a sober month? I mean, obviously, some people have a problem. They have to deal with it. You don't have a problem. No. You know, well, the, so. the, it's not. Well, for me, it's not a challenge. <laughs> Last night. <laughs> but um, so in general, I so I can speak to it clinically and then personally. So clinically, people usually do that <clears throat> for two for a couple of reasons. One, they either do it because they're resetting their bodies because they are social drinkers on the weekend. And that's a lot. <clears throat> Here goes my voice. See, yeah. it's your fault. <clears throat> It's the studio and you and your hair color. So either people are, are drinking every single day and, and on the weekends, or they're just doing like a bingey on the weekends. They just want to just reset everything. They want to clean out the liver, the kidneys. They go to like, you know, they do a whole 30 all food clean. So they do the whole reset. That's okay. one. Other Does people, alcohol need a 30 day reset? Anyway. Does alcohol need a 30 day reset? Um, it's not the alcohol as much as it's the pattern and the behavior and okay. the habit. Oh, I see. So it's not, especially because not everyone's doing it for the same reason around yeah. like if it's is it every, everyday drinking or is it binge drinking on the weekend. So it's more about the habit of breaking the habit and just maintaining it for that. And it's, and the month thing has become a thing for, you know, no yeah. sugar 30, no right. whole 30 for that. So it's just more about the, 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 the the timeline because you have structure and you know what the start and end date is um so that makes it easier for people i think to wrap their head around the goal you how know, do you like feel my, how do you goaling. how do you feel about the old axiom 21 days makes a habit that's usually the so 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 anecdotally i think that depending on the person it kind of works but in terms of neurologically and and depending on what we're trying to break the habit of that's not always exactly yeah. true mm. so it's a good rough estimate 21 days but you know seven to 14 is when you can really get past the initial cravings of something like cigarette smoking, right? We got, or vaping. It usually takes nicotine 14 days to kind of settle clear and whatever after you get it past the agitation and the food cravings, all that. And then it really takes another, I think in, in my clinical work, it takes probably about 30 to 60 more days for someone to really feel like they can sort of step one step beyond not like be clear of it but really just make the bigger step past just oh god i'm put it down so i think that applies to the psychological aspect more than dependency or yeah biology it's yeah, get, getting your mind to do something right yeah. physiologically yeah. the the habit itself will release itself within a very short time so if you're going into detox for for um sugar it's like 14 days if mm. it's cigarettes seven to 14 in terms of nicotine, um, alcohol, it's usually five, six days, um, heroin, opiates, all that is three to five days, but they're still technically in your body. Those, you know, for another X amount of time, especially those substances, yep. but then it's the psychological habit that needs to then break from it. And that takes, that can take upwards of two years sometimes for mm -hmm. some people. Hmm. So it just depends on the thing yep. that it is. Um, now you got me sidetracked. What Sorry. Were what was I talking about? Bring me back. I You're was... talking about uh, sober January. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, okay. So, so the other reasons why people are doing that is because you asked, like, besides just the general reason, is also people do it to figure out are they having a problem with alcohol or they think they are having a problem with alcohol or whatever it is, you know. Same same can be said for sugar yep. or caffeine. You know, people are doing all these different thirty day things, but it just happens to be that we people really focus on that one because people and it's also a way. It's interesting. Good conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how when you put it out in the world that you're doing that, people are less likely to question why you're not having a drink at dinner or something like that because they know. Yeah. 
And so then it alleviates your, your feeling of having to socially imbibe because people are like, oh, she's doing that or he's doing that 30 yep. day thing. So it, it takes the heat off. And even though um, social pressure really shouldn't be there as an adult, it is. So, so yep. it's like, oh, it's a free pass for another three weeks that people don't give you a crap about. Good social sh shield. And you yeah. need it in a lot of instances, sure. Especially yeah. around alcohol. Exactly. Just such a social habit. Right. And it's just like, oh, it's just an automatic. So, um, so the, so the, the multiple types of things that you can take 30 days from to reset are, you know, pick something, anything. This is perfect for your micro goaling right now. You can, you can pick something. I know that I have another friend that I have clients that do this all the time, but so I can talk about my friends because they're not my clients, but my friend currently is taking all her sugar out. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just talking about spaghetti sauce this morning <laughs> and how much sugar is in spaghetti sauce. And you don't realize, um, and I can, I can show you at some point, but you look at all the different spaghetti sauce that are jarred on, on the market and essentially across the board, you've got anywhere from a cup of a whole cup of actual sugar in yep. it all the way down to, you know, a couple of teaspoons of sugar in it. So the amount of sugar and things that you don't even realize that you think, Oh, it's tomatoes. <laughs> well, it's tomatoes with all this stuff added in. And then, and then you're adding that onto a pasta that you might be eating that also has, um, maybe not the best pasta in the world that's got additives and all right. the other stuff. So you're, you think you're eating something healthy and natural, but in fact, you're really not. So really knowing what your intake is and what you want to cut back on to do your 30 day. So she's not doing 30 days. She's trying to make this a lifestyle change to really eliminate all crappy sugars. Sugar and salt are really tough because yes. if you start reading ingredients, you find out how much is floating in, around in the yeah. stuff that you, so you try to stay away from processed stuff. You try to stay away from stuff from the ingredients list. Right. Right. And you, you know, pick your battles. You don't take the one cup of sugar uh, sauce. You take the the lowest possible sugar sauce you can find. And and the thing about sugar that people don't realize is when you're reading a label, they used to just put in added sugar. Yeah. And now they don't put in just that word set of added sugar. They put in added sugar and then they have all the anything that has los or, you know, like something gum or artificial sweetener or they they load it up in different terminology yep. and i could give you probably a hundred word list of things that you couldn't pronounce <laughs> for all the different ways that they have found to put sugar in that you wouldn't know that it's sugar but it is so it has some type of sugar derivative in it so that you just don't realize it but or anything that has like an alcohol base in it and they'll say something alcohol fill in the blank what it that has sugar yeah and people don't realize that that's actually sugar so you know, halfway down the list, if that whole first part of your list on your package is all those words, it's probably something you shouldn't be eating. Sugar alcohol is yeah. popular. Right. So and then they, they list they sugar. They don't, they don't write it like that anymore. Yeah. Well, they do sometimes, but you yeah. see it in other words. So people aren't familiar. And so they're like, oh, no sugar added. But. Yep. But. But that you look but at the this other thing that they don't tell you. You look at the sugar line and most people stop there. They don't go searching for the other right. sources of sugar. Yeah. Right. Or they or you don't. So here's here's a good tip. Don't just read the label where it says sugar percentage, like sugar, eight grams or, you know, yeah. really go down in to see where in the list of ingredients, what the sugars are, because sugars, just like alcohol, nicotine, they they impact your mental health ability on a day to day. So the more sugar you have, the more your functioning gets impaired. The less sugar you have, your functioning will get impaired if you're trying to come off of it and you've been used to having a lot of it. Um, same thing with, you know, any substance that you're putting in. So you have to be really mindful and aware that every time you have that, it's changing your your attitude, your personality, it can change your mood, it can change your physical, actual physical feeling, um, it can give you energy, it can give you sleepiness, it can make you feel anxious, it can make you feel depressed, and that's with any substance that's going in and out of your body. That's It's so tough, though, because you're inundated with it. It's, yeah. really, it's really hard to avoid. Yes. You have to be very aware of what you're doing. Well, you have to you have to be aware and then committed into the process because so go, let's go to ADD for a second and talking about attention deficit disorder <clears throat> um, or ADS attention deficit syndrome. Cause so many people want to talk about it that way. Um, there's impulsivity and there's hyperactivity and there's inattentiveness and then there's selective attention and there's all these pieces. There's a dozen or more 
qualities to each of these types of being ADS. Um, now, when you have it just in general, it's it's genetically passed, right? So we it, it doesn't just pop up in you all of a sudden, right? So you have a genetic root usually in this. And then on top of it, its severity will be based on a variety of different things. Um, and food is one of them. And exercise is one of them. Or poor food choices at, for you. So what I could eat, because I don't have ADD, and you could eat because you don't have ADD, right? I don't believe so. Right. I, I've never detected it in you. But you take someone like we know. You know how I think I don't have it? I'm totally triggered by people who do. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but you, once you work your way through it, and once you work your way through it, you start to see it in other people. Mm. Once you become aware of it, and you, you right. know, it becomes clear to you in other people. Right. So, well, I, I have many ADD people around me. <laughs> Which is much better than having lots of narcissists around me. So sure. I'd rather have ADD people than narcissists, um, uh, which is a whole other topic that's been on my mind this week because I have clients that are dealing with that. Um, but the ADS issue, having those those pieces to it, they get triggered by intake or output of the body. So if you have a sedentary lifestyle, um, and by the way, the new statistics came out this week that during the pandemic, 77% of your time in general on this, 77% of people's time is spent sitting now as opposed to two years ago when it was only like 23% of people's time. Get it's out. gone from 23% yeah. to wow. 77% in two years wow, for how much time people are sitting. So huge. if you're spending 14 to 15 hours a day sitting, that it's a problem. Anyway, I digress. Yep. So it has to do with ADD. So when you're when you're trying to deal with a mental health issue, which is any kind of anything that's making you feel sad or glad, I mean, you're you're having your mental moods of the day. Whenever you're eating something or not exercising or exercising and or water intake, that all actually impacts your whole being. So if you are um, com very commonly, a lot of people who are, have ADD will eat sugar. And um, do you know why? No. Their go-to. So um, sugar is a drug. So sugar makes people feel good. So it brings the person up and it stimulates. Mm -hmm. So when people have attention deficit, um, the go-to medication, if we're doing regular medication, is you give them a stimulant because what it does is it regulates the, the neurochemicals in the brain to make them balanced. Okay. So people will self-soothe with sugar, sugared items, because it in the moment gives them that burst of feeling, woohoo, I feel good and it feels balanced. But then of course it quickly dissipates because there's nothing else there bu buffering it to help keep it in, in the space. So you'll see a lot of times, you know, people will drink Red Bull. You see a lot of people with ADD will drink Red Bull. Why? Well, they couch it under like there's vitamins and there's nutrients and all this stuff in it, which is terrible for you. Yep. Plus there's sugar. Oh, and on top of it, there's like all this other stuff. But what it does is it stimulates the brain and gives a quick rush because of the caffeine and the sugar. So it allows the person with that affliction to feel a, a, a half an hour of wonderful. But the problem with that is it makes you crave more because it goes to the brain center that says, Hey, I need more of that because without it, I can't function. So that's how people get kind of addicted to the energy drinks and the energy shots and all that stuff because they are so floored by that. Or caffeine, coffee drink, coffee drink, coffee drink, all day long. It's because they are stuck with that yep. um, up and down rock, rock and roll of the seesaw trying to get themselves stimulated enough to keep it steady because they don't feel good. Right. So it's, it's um, and if you don't know that, um, so say you you have kids that have this and you're not a, a, an aware parent of how that works and you give them pizza, pasta, um, you know, snack cheese that's not, help, you know, poorly processed or yep. you give them sugared cereals. All, all you're doing is you're, you have to think of like the brain having a, a small little fracture in it, so to speak, visually. And that every time you're giving them that stuff, it's kind of like filling it in and making it overstimulated and then it goes away and then they need more. So 
and then, then parents are like, my kid is off the wall. Right. <laughs> right. And so there's, there's always been a big debate about whether or not, oh, sugar really impacts. Of course it does. Right. And it doesn't mean that if you sugar up a kid, they're going to like be off the wall. It means, but what you're doing is you're, you're giving sugar into the brain. The brain is, is going, Oh, I like this. Yeah. But then it doesn't know how to then function when it's constantly stimulated across the board, getting sugars all the time. That's why bread is not is not your friend because you eat bread and your body gets conditioned to having that and it's a feel good thing and it's a comfort thing. Then it wants it more. So the more sugar you put in, the more sugar you want. So that's why the healthy sugars are so important because you have to feed you have to feed your your mental health the right way. You have to find the foods that are right for you that are going to make you function the best. It's way easier to go to a Snickers bar. Great marketing, by the way, that yeah. they've done on that, right? Yep, right. The hangries, right? Yep. That's the whole concept of, of behind that. The psychological concept is that you get the hangries because you have a sugar drop in your body. You have a Snickers. Right. What does it do? It, it fixes it. Well, it doesn't really fix it. It just gives you that boost that you need for that moment. But then an hour or two later, it's over. Kind of like eating Chinese food. Why do people an hour later want, or half an hour, not even 20 minutes later after eating their Chinese food, they want to have it again because there's MSG and sugar in, added into everything. So MSG, monosodium glutamate extra salt, extra flavor, <coughs> it pulls the brain for wanting it more. What does it do to your mental health? It can agitate a person that's agitated. It can make a person more anxious, super, super unhealthy. If you don't know how to, um, if you don't know that you're doing it and then you're off to the races because it leads to heart disease, it leads to diabetes, it leads to all these other physical ailments. And people don't realize that they all go hand in hand. Most people walk around that everything is like separated out and, it's not. Do you see that I'm like losing my voice? Yeah. Does uh, constantly providing caffeine and sugar externally diminish your body's ability to stimulate itself? To, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because so, says, I don't have to. I'm getting this supply. So it concentrates on other things. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the best examples I use is, is, um, is cigarette smoking because we have receptors in our brain that are nicotinic. They're nicotine receptors and they're neurotransmitters. So there's, we make nicotine essentially in our brain. That's why they're called nicotinic receptors. When you smoke a cigarette or you vape for all the vapors out there, when you have nicotine go in, what you're doing is you're, you're turning off the switch of your nicotine receptors to have to work. Right. So this is, you know, what happens with the other things you're asking, but this is one of the easiest ways. So when you turn that off, you're, and you, and you, stop and you don't smoke for a day, you go into withdrawal. Why? Because those are now off naturally right. in your brain. And for them to turn back on, you have to have days apart from when you were smoking or when you were using the nicotine for it to reset. That's why people struggle because the body's, it's almost like it's trying to jump start back onto turning. Like, it's like a car rolling over. Right. It's like, you know, I can't get over. I can't get over. And then finally it will turn over, but it's because the body's used to the external coming in, doing the work for you. And when it's not enough, you just do more. So you see people that smoke a whole pack or you, they're vaping all day long. All that's doing is, is it's damaging your brain. And when I say that it's damaging the ability for your brain to act on its own natural vices to be able to create what is needed for you. So when you're overloading your body with that chemical nicotine, mm -hmm. the nicotinic nicotinic receptors in your brain just go, <laughs> and we don't have to work. Yeah. So same thing when you have like your, um, that's why you go into ketosis when you're doing like a sugar and a, and a natural drop of food, when you're trying to get your body into a really good state of sugar so that you don't have cravings. So you can go from meal to meal without feeling like you need to eat a Snickers bar. It's the same thing. Your body is learning to get away from the dependency on the chemical that was doing the work for it. Yeah. Same exact thing. Sugar, caffeine, alcohol, all of those things. Which is why it's US. which is why it's especially troubling when you feed the sugar habit of kids. Yes. Who are trying to develop this production and you know, trying to develop a routine. Right. Yeah. Well, and the and it's the path of least resistance for many parents sure. is like just, you know, we've talked about instant gratification. Yep. Right. Um, the path of least resistance is sometimes just like make the macaroni and cheese. Well, macaroni and cheese is wonderful. But four days in a row or four times that week, if you read a box of any brand, except for, I think, one that I can probably mention, they're all loaded with that sodium sugar content that spikes the brain for, why would a kid want a piece of broccoli? 
Yeah. Because that's that the not only does the kid say, "Oh, it tastes bad," which it doesn't, but they, yeah, there's no there's no fun. So when you have that brain, the dopamine, the pleasure rush in your head, and you have the serotonin, the mood regulator, all those things being activated by food, your body will get trained to go towards the foods that make that happen because it's a drug. And people with ADD or anxiety, anxiety is probably one of the most prevalent things that I see in my office daily. Um, And I typically try to help people make food choices that are different for like a week or two, right when I first meet them, because you can regulate a lot of your anxiety just by doing a food inventory and knowing what it is that you're eating that makes it worse. Hmm. So carbohydrates that are processed typically make anxiety worse in my, in my anecdotal evidence and and by also having people come back and be like, oh my God, I eliminated these four things and I haven't had half the anxiety that I had. And it lasts. And as soon as they add, I have one client that's very sensitive to sugar and um, to gluten, but not in a celiac kind of way. Right. And every time he has anything with gluten in it, his anxiety comes up and it's not, and we've explored for many years about how it's not, you know, is it something in the gluten versus is it just his fear of if he eats gluten, it will be an anxiety <laughs> provoker. Yeah. And it's, something in the gluten itself makes him really anxious. So he doesn't have the anxiety going in. He'll be like, I'm just going to have it. It's okay. And then all of a sudden you can, and you can sort of hear his stomach go. You can hear like the whole thing because all of a sudden he's really anxious, doesn't feel nauseous, doesn't have any of that other stuff, but it has that impact on him. So you have to know your body really well to know what is it that you're eating that's impacting it. They're not separate events. Yeah. How do we, how do we scope that out? So you do, I do it by the process of elimination. So I, I go with the main things that I always know, which is bread products always go because they're usually a culprit because mm-hmm. they have everything that we're talking about in them. They have all the, the not the naughty things in them, right? The things that are not going to make you feel good. Bread products um, and eliminate, eliminate dairy to not, not have it in your life, but to just eliminate it to see if it makes a difference. But you don't do it all at once. You do it one at a time. So one week, you take out all bread products or all white flour products. So that's bread, pasta, white and rich rice, things like that. Then if you feel better, you keep that out. If you feel like you still have something residual and feeling anxious or, or down or depressed, then we go to dairy. That's usually but that's a subtle measuring for, yep. for most people, isn't it? Um, n- yes, but no, because yeah. when someone is when someone's really anxious and suffering then that way, or they have something like ADD, it's a mark. It's very striking. The, the difference. Yeah. You can, it's not subtle for, for people that have that. Um, maybe for like an everyday kind of person, like I consider myself a pretty everyday kind of person. And when I take out things, I notice, hmm. but I'm also, I practice awareness and mindfulness right. too. So I think that if people walk around more oblivious to life in general, then they're not going to even notice. They're going to be like, yeah, it made some difference. It's kind of like when you take a medication and a lot of people report like it didn't really do anything. But if we could measure it on like a functional MRI and watch the brain, we'd probably like, well, yeah, actually there's a lot going on there, but you just don't realize it because you're not paying attention to it. So right. um, I think it's a matter of like a person's attunement to it and really realizing whether or not it's doing anything. Um, but most people, when they come to my office, they're looking for that change. So they're, they're already in awareness mode of wanting to do that. Um, I have a couple of clients here and there that will be like, Oh, I didn't notice anything, but I, I, I know that can't possibly be true, but it's also, they are, they have more of the learned helplessness aspect to them that they're more of like the Debbie downer or the pessimist. Yep. So they just think that I did it. It didn't work. And so I'm not fixed perfect. And therefore we have to work on like other things like, having an expectation that's way beyond the reality of the situation, well, you know, the, some people go through life thinking I'm supposed to be a happy person a hundred percent of the time. And I have this happiness scale in my office that sometimes I bring out for certain clients that it's like, happiness is not the entire continuum. Happiness is one little section of the continuum on a day. So you can be happy right now, two hours from now, you might not be happy, but by the end of the day, you might be happy again, but it's not going to last you all day. But people reject oftentimes outside influences because that that assumes responsibility Mm -hmm. in other words i'm just i'm just a bad person i'm just messed up nothing's going to help me that's easier you can just sit back and lay with that but if your diet is contributing to it then you have to take responsibility for that and people often don't want to take responsibility 
Well, it's be, well, it's and and to to break that down even further because yes, correct. It's and it's not about it's about responsibility, but it's also about that people don't want to have to do the work. Yeah. So it's just it, looking at it and being like, oh. I'd have to look at, I'm contributing to my issue. Right. It's also not only am I contributing to it, but I then have to do something about it. And th that's, and that's, I think as big, if not bigger than having to take the responsibility right. for it, because it's, it's easy air quoting. It's easy to stay in the bad habit, but it's actually not. It's actually really hard to stay in that habit. You work at it and, and people don't realize how much, um, they work at my phone's ringing <laughs> and I had to move it off the table because it's ringing off the hook. Um, people don't realize how much effort they really put into their unhealthy habits and how long that takes you to get into that pattern and to undo it. When you start thinking about it, it looks like the, I call it the hoarding house. You look at the whole thing and go, Oh, I have to do the whole thing yep. versus no, I only have to clean this little spot today. So it's, it goes back to the beginning of January, baby step, baby step, baby step, doing something a little bit, but you have to know your, you have to know your ailment. I mean, do you have a pain in your knee? Okay, so I have a client who has knee pains. And so I'm not going to just go, let's eliminate some food items, right? <clears throat> we do a full assessment. And what we find out is when you look at this person, they're slightly overweight, right? That's my first go-to is, well, your knee pains. I mean, so let me back it up a little bit. Coming to me was because the doctor that they were coming from, their regular MD, had cleared them medically and said, we can't figure out what's wrong with your knees because there's nothing on site or in right. touch or in, or in any kind of thing that's wrong with your knees. But <clears throat> they would throw the kitchen sink at them with medication on something they don't know. We'll try rheumatoid arthritis medicine, but there's no, there's no seeing any kind of arthritis in, in any scans. So the, you know, so this person was like, I'm going to go see someone else, a natural person. So, so on, on that that first couple passes with this person, the overweightness is what we were going to discuss because the sedentary lifestyle, the food items weren't actually that bad. It was the sedentary lifestyle sitting down and not having enough activation that was leading to the knee pain, which is then leading to more inaction because they felt depressed about the knee pain. Right. And if you know anything in psychology, pain and depression go together and they, they feed off of each other. And um, so the person was becoming more inactive because they were depressed about their knees. They felt they couldn't do anything about it. They felt, uh, but what it has come down to is the person really needed to lose about 22, 23 pounds and we're there and we've got, and guess what? No yeah. knee pain. Yeah. It's all gone because we added in exercise four times a week. We added in water. The doctor on the primary care side is thrilled because it was, they didn't even think because the person didn't look obese on site either. They just, right. but it's just knowing that when the, when you look at the person as a whole and not just as a knee, <laughs> then you get like, oh, there's, there's things that are going in or out of this body that are making the mental health issue created here. So the pain and the depression were going hand in hand, but we had to address the pain and figure out what it was. Now, had it not been that, we would have just figured out something else or gotten close to what it was because you have to just address the whole person. What's going on in your lifestyle that's making these things happen? What's going on in your lifestyle that you can't focus with ADD? Why are you all over the place? Um, why are you not focusing in on your job? Why is it hard for you to not be present for your family? Why is it? And you don't need medication for that because people take medication with ADD, for instance, and still have the same problem because this is why medication doesn't work sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with taking ADD medication, but when you do and you still have the same issues going on while on it, it's because you're not doing the work. Right. Medication's supposed to there be there to help you do the, the actual um, intellectual work to get the coping strategy so that ine inevitably you can not have to take it you know, we get into the whole pharmaceutical thing of like, well, that would not benefit. Pharmaceutical but that, that's attempting a fix without taking responsibility. There medication, you you're passing the medic, you're passing the responsibility onto the medication. Right. I'm guessing that guy you were talking about saw benefits across the board because yeah. what happens is when you start like, I remember when I had a lot more weight and I had back problems, it was, I, my thought was, well, you get to a certain age, you have this stuff. You get to deal with it. I passed off the responsibility, but once right. I started fixing this stuff, right. then it's like, wow, I have way more control over this than 
I thought I did. And you right. start to, you start to exercise that control, right. Uh, you know, across, uh, across all aspects of your life. And I, and I think that one of the, one of the biggest things I hear that I try to change with my clients is get them to see that, well, I would, you know, I get this, I get a couple comments, like I was born this way. It's in my genes. Yep. You can't change it. It's, you know, my parents had it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Cause I've said to you and I've said to our listeners many times, I was born into a lot yeah. and I, and that you either, you, you buy into it, you buy and lie, right? You buy yep. into it and then lie in it and, or you do something about it. You don't have to just take it. If so, you know, if I have diabetes in my family, I'm going to do everything to stay away from that. I still might get it, but I'm going to still do everything I can and not have to be on medication or do something. If I have heart disease, I know that that is, I'm going to make sure that I'm not a smoker. Like if I, you know, so there's things that you can do, but if you just lay down and lay in it, yep. then you're complicit to the problem. And it's like, you just don't say, oh, well, it's my genetics. I'm, I'm obese because my family is obese. It's in the genes. And, and when people say I'm big boned, you know, my answer to that, right? Yep. There are no skeletons that have big bones. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so again, but that's passing passive, the responsibility away from I have big. No, you no, you, you don't have big bones. Michael Singer described it as be, you know being in a car and heading towards an accident and jumping in the back seat. Right. You just give up control. It's good. Right. It's, it's right. a done deal now. I have Hands no control of it. I'm out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As you crash. Yeah. Right. Which so is, which well, is nuts. In, yeah. Everything in your life, you have you have control over you. You have no control over outside of you, but everything in your life that goes in and out of your body, what you do with it, if you exercise, if you don't, if you um, get stressed over things, whatever, you have the control over that in some way. It's about taking an active an active role in your head to say, it, it is in me to do something about it, not, well, I can't do anything about it. And even if that can't, thing... I can't do anything about your issue or how yeah. you are, but I can do for me. But even if you don't have, even what you're dealing with, even if you don't have control over it, you can control your reaction to it and you can right. mitigate it or make it worse. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, things happen to you. I think there are outside influences. There's no well, doubt about yes, that. Yes, but, but you yeah. don't have control over those. You have control over your response right. to them yep. and how, and then what you do, like, do you overeat because something bad happened? Do you go and have a drink because you're stressed out? Do you go and overexercise because you feel like you're, you're too fat, but you're actually underweight. And it's about taking control and being aware of your circumstance to know mm -hmm. what am I doing here? Cause your body knows how to naturally heal itself. <clears throat> Hold, please, because I can't talk. I'm losing. <laughs> it's in the studio. We have to do something about this studio. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I just don't see anything. Okay. Okay, whatever. I'm not just an allergist. I'm not an allergist. Yeah, I'll stay with my right Did hair. you just say you're not an elf? I'm not an allergist. Oh, I thought you said you're not an elf. I'm no, I'm not an elf. I'm <laughs> not an elf either. <laughs> I, well, I'm, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to start giggling because I just have your red hair. I'm yep. sorry. I can't help it. Am I being bad today? Uh, listen, a week or two, a week or two from now, it'd be a whole different color. So I know. Don't worry that's about why it. it was funny today because it was. <laughs> it's, I was. Ooh, that's red today. Um, see, you got me sidetracked now. Yeah. What was well, I talking we're about? We're talking about responsibility and you know, things we have control over, things we oh. don't have. Taking full advantage of the things we have control over, but understanding that a reaction to the things we don't yes. have control over makes things for, worse or make things better. Thank you for derailing me and putting me back on the track at the same time. Um, Just so, sitting here. Didn't derail you. So, <laughs> so one of the, it, it, your hair derails me. Yep. So I think that when people first come in for psychological help, when they come in to see a psychologist like me, or they come in for natural healing, <clears throat> that it's not just about talking about your feelings. It's really looking at a holistic way of seeing yourself that you actually, because if you're just going to do therapy as talking about feelings, you're still doing the same thing I'm asking for all the other things too. You're, you have to look inward and, and deal with things that what are you contributing to your problem? What do you have control over that's contributing to your anxiety or contributing to your depression or, or whatever it is. And going back to what I was saying about your body knows how to heal itself naturally with a few exceptions around like in terms of mental health, like schizophrenia, 
when you're schizophrenic, it's a whole show separate. It's it, the organic disorders like that typically have to have medication. Not always, mm -hmm. but by and large, there has to be some because either the hallucinations or delusions in certain paranoid schizophrenia cases get really bad. The the delusional system can be very dangerous for the person and other people. Yeah. So there's certain things like that. Um, so I want to make sure that people don't say, oh, everything can be healed naturally. Not, not everything can be healed that way, but your body does know how to heal itself um, if you do the right things. And if those right things include medication, you're, which is fine, you have to not be reliant on it to work. You have to make it work for you. So people will take things like um, Lexapro, Zoloft, Celexa, Prozac, things like that. And then they go, well, I'm gaining weight. Right. Because that medication, when you took it, when you knew to, you should know that it's a weight gainer, it will make you have a dry mouth. It will make you feel gastrointestinally challenged. It will also have blah, 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 blah. So you should know going in what you're taking and not just blindly take it so that when three or four months down the line comes and right. you go, I gained 10 pounds. Yes, yeah, so you have to be work. You have to be active, active. doesn't mean you have to run the marathon, but it means you have to be active so that you can get through that push so that you don't gain as much weight or, or you at least keep it at bay. And but people don't realize that often they have those, to take that action to help themselves. Often Prozac or drugs of that kind are just often handed to you and they give yep. you a list of possible symptoms, but then they don't go over, nope. over it with you. I go over every single yeah. symptom with everybody that I see. When I first meet them, I get all their medication lists. We go over everything. And people uh, treat those as disclaimers. Yeah, I might gain weight. Might, they just don't want to get blamed for it. But the fact of the matter is there's some changes that needed that are needed when you when you go on this drug. And there's and, and, the, and the drugs in the mental health field are so common with the actual things that do happen from them that, you know, it's kind of the list on TV. You know, this will cause a decrease in your libido. This will make your eyes bleed. This will make, you know, all the things that happen. And yep. and it's it's so common that 99% of the drugs that you get just from the primary care person who knows how to just treat it at the base will just give it to you and not say anything about that. So when people come into me and they say, what do you mean that methylphenidate, which is Ritalin or Concerta, does blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, yeah, didn't, didn't your doctor tell you that? Because they'll come in and be like, I'm having really bad insomnia, case in point. We do a medication check and they're on. I'm like, when are you taking that? Well, I'm taking it at this time. Well, that's why. <laughs> I didn't know that. I get that yeah. all the time. I didn't know that. I should write a book that says, I didn't know yeah. that. Well, they just handed a list of right. potential symptoms and warnings. Right. Yeah. But nobody reads that. Right. Really. And then, you know, so, and, and oftentimes they'll, if, I have several clients recently that come have come in and they're on this one medication and they're on this other one to counter that one. And then because it's giving them insomnia, the, the docs are giving them sleeping medication. So the sleeping medication that's yeah. out and about right now are things like Seroquel, Ambien, Trazodone, things like that. Those I call the floor lickers. Floor lickers. I call them the floor okay. lickers because after you take them, you're going to be licking the floor. Yeah. Right. So they will give you a drug hangover horrific the next day you have to take them early enough in the evening before yeah which will put you to sleep early but by the time you sleep all the way through and it runs out of the half-life over the nighttime of sleeping you wake up like eh? yeah <laughs> so if everyone's not watching and can't see that i'm mimicking looking the floor because you you wake up in a fog and it takes you till two or three in the afternoon to clear that and and it's it's too much like instead of giving like 10 milligrams of something natural, they give a hundred milligrams of trazodone and that's, you know, like knock a horse out, you know, <laughs> but you know, and I mean, it's just, but it's like the old nursery rhyme. It's like you're swallowing the spider to catch the fly. It's right. just like, and you're just creating more and more problems. And, and that's, and that's one of the frustrations that people have in, in doing their, in doing their treatment of themselves is that they'll come to me oftentimes and I'll get them connected with a naturopath so that we can do everything naturally with the natural holistic stuff on my end, but also get them as much off of every single medication they can be on so that it's natural because there's natural things in the environment. Medications aren't supposed to be on lifelong. Diabetes right. is different once you're on insulin. That's it. But Plus, you have to go back to a methodology to find out sources of the problems you have to exactly. get off and then and then if you need to go back on some of them you go back on some of them but you right you monitor the outcomes of this exactly so i mean so case in point like around diabetes people don't realize when they come to my office when they're like oh i have diabetes but that doesn't do it 
do anything with my mental health. Yes, it does, because that's all sugar. That's a cortisol dump. So you have sugars are impacting your mental health all the time if you have diabetes or even if you don't because it's sugar. But your pancreas, your main body processor for for the for diabetes, you've got cortisol and you've got all these chemicals that are coming from the endocrine system that hormonal and about stress. So if you're genetically prone to it, plus you have a bad diet, plus you have a sedentary lifestyle or an uh, lifestyle in terms of movement, and then you have a lot of stress and, and it's dumping a lot of cortisol. And then you say, well, the diabetes isn't the issue is I've got this other issue, like, cause I have stress at work. I, I force the whole thing to come together to show the picture so that the person understands that those pieces go together, that they are not separate. Um, you know, yep. mind body connection for many years got such a bad rap, like, Oh, it's so stupid. No, it's actually a million percent true that everything's working together. Everything's talking together. So if you're doing something and it's stressful, you sure as can bet that it's hurting your chest, your heart, your liver, your kidney, or or your knees, yep. depending on what it is. And I think it's so important that people know what their affliction is, know how to identify what it is, know what possibly is going to happen um, if they do something, you know, non-medically, medically, um, how to combine them. Because if you walk through life going, well... I'm a matter of my circumstances. Genetics passed it to me. My mother had it. My dad had it. Well, okay. But you still have to function despite the dysfunction. Yeah. And that means you don't function at a, at a, you know, we don't shoot for mediocrity. As no. you know, I try to get all my patients to shoot for the bar nice and high. With any and, condition is a range of outcomes that you yeah, have some control over. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's that. So go, go to ADD and go to addiction. That's one place where most people that have those, not most all, will say they don't ever feel in control. Right. It's because they're not seeing where they can have control because everything that they've tried are all the things that are sort of like, well, that's outside of me. It's out of my control. It's not, oh, wait, what is going on inside of me that I can change to make this better? Connection. Addiction is getting connected and not with a bottle or a pill bottle. It's getting connected to social and people yeah. and connections that are healthy and not codependency. So like if I have someone in addiction in my life, I'm not going to babysit their addiction. I'm going to support them and be there for them, but I'm not going to handhold. And anyone that's ever had someone in their life with addiction or with ADD is the same thing. If you're doing the work for them or you becoming gaslit by their, their stuff, you can't help. So it's so important that, um, like a person like me can say, okay, here's how you help yourself and no one else can do it for you. Addiction That's treatment is almost exclusively connection based. It's yes. all, it's all about support groups, but, but what makes that difficult is you can't, they can, addicts can't form a connection with non-addicts. It's you, right. the world, worlds are just too different. Right. So you got to get into a situation where you're dealing with other addicts, addicts who have recovered and gaining support from that connection. Well, I think that's, so I think that that's one, that's definitely one way. So the, the support, so two things about that. People who are in working on recovery and no longer in the actual addiction itself can connect with non-addicts, yes. but they need the addiction group cohesiveness to understand that they're not alone. That always is helpful. So there's a connection there. But turning the page to get to that recovery right. requires a group of like-minded individuals. It's, right, it's very together. difficult to connect with a non-addict when you have that universal yeah. shared experience. Yeah. And then to connect back into their mainstream group of people, what I help, what I try to help people see is find the people that are not toxic in your life, because oftentimes yeah. you'll go back into the, so you have this great group of like-minded people, then you're still going back to the toxicity of, of something that's, you know, and it's not always, but you have to be able to say, okay, am I going to go back in and repeat like with my parent, um, the feeling of yuckiness and feeling of shame and the feeling of they, they never think I'm good enough. And is that really they on them or is it on you? Are you the one that's making yourself feel that way? So you have to do that work so that you can go back and be connected into the person that maybe you have this thing with. And it really, it really depends on each person, but connectedness is so important with any of the, any mental health and wellness issue, whether you have ADD, depression, anxiety, stress, what cures it? 
having someone to talk about it with, that's why therapy is so important. Having, having a plan to be able to yeah. say, here are the steps for me to be able to feel better. And it's not just one, it's connectedness. It's working yourself through in your head. It's processing information. It's journaling. It's running. It's eating better. It's, uh, you know, going on a little trip, self-care, doing yoga, getting a massage. There's a million different pieces, but most people just sit in their stuff. And just go, I have no control over any. Not addiction is a dual diagnosis normally. Not everything yeah. is a dual diagnosis, but if you don't if you don't address the underlying causes, right. ADD, if you get things that trigger you in your environment right. and you just no matter what you do right. with medication, you're gonna so be battling it all the time. Addiction is a symptom of the problem. Yeah. That's what I that's what I teach in right. my class. Addiction is a symptom of the problem. The problem is not the addiction. The pro the addiction becomes a problem. Yeah. But the symptom of the problem is goes years and years back. It's not something that just people, I have one client that consistently tells me that his childhood was amazing and there was nothing wrong. And it's just, he likes doing what he's doing. So <laughs> we've been doing this for a long time and it's not working out because, right. Cause he's very resistant to looking at the, the, the stuff underneath in, in yep. his past. Um, and his past is constantly sitting in front of him with what has gone on and he has such a blind eye to it because it's so painful for him to look at so we just have to keep yeah. as much as we can just the the symptom down and the symptoms very hard to keep down because he likes to drink and he likes to do pills and he likes it but he won't look at that piece he knows it's there we have it we're square with it we have it right in front we talk about that but to get at that piece to actually do the work it's way easier to go connect with running to the bottle of anything that has, you know, feel good, feel good temporarily. Sometimes you don't have perspective though. I mean, when I was growing up, I used to, when I was a young adult, I used to call my upbringing idyllic because my parents paid no attention to me. Right. As long as I didn't come home with the cops behind me, they didn't care. <laughs> there was never any curfews. They weren't involved in me picking my college or grades. It just stayed off me. And I thought that was ideal. But then as I became, got older and became a parent, because that's a problem. I right. wish I had more. Right. I'd have made better decisions if they were with me on it, you know? Right. right. And, and that's so like, so I picked a college to play hockey. I didn't pick a college to get you, a college education. <laughs> so I, I have to say that you're very, you're very resilient that you able were able to do what you've done to be able to not fall into what would be the predictable, typical pattern of the indulgent slash permissive parent, which that is, which is, the the outcome typically is very poor yeah well for, you know for that that was parenting and as you know what happens with parents often they either do the same thing that parents did or they run in the opposite direction right and i ran in the opposite direction it's like no i'm not going to be oppressive to you but you're going to know i'm involved and interested right. in everything right. that's going on right and i'm going to ask questions and i'm going to be you know right which is good because you had that resiliency and you had that peace and that's atypical for the pattern of, of that statistically yeah. so that you 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 beat the statistic of it yeah. but it was difficult to die quote unquote diagnose because it wasn't abusive in any way no, they weren't right. hitting me or anything no. it was just well it's absence and at the time again i'm a young adult i'm thinking this is great you know no, no one's on top of me right you know, i well, can do what i want and, and and that's wonderful because it gives but you 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 lose out on some other things and that's what you figured out with your kids to be able to parent them in a different way, Yeah, which is why you have a good relationship with them. I think. Yes. No, <laughs> I had to make sure I was like, I think I do. So, yeah. yes. Um, so anyway, so this is a very big topic. Yeah. So all these, these health and wellness pieces, but so if I could give any advice as we close out the show today, um, if you have any affliction, whether it's addiction, whether it's a diagnosed, diagnosed or diagnostically related um, mental health issue, take a step back and look at what can I do, that small thing, what can I do today that has nothing to do with medication, but what can I do today to make it feel better? Or what do I need to make it feel better? And don't think big and global. Think, do I need to get up and move? Do I need to have more water today? Do I need to call a friend and talk to them about something that's bothering me? Just try to identify that there's something bigger than just it's happening to me and that you have some control over this by making a different choice. So that's that's my feedback for the day. I like it. Right. Um, so next week we will continue this conversation and I will um, 
I will be hopefully bringing in a, a set of people um, that will be upcoming guests soon. Um, and so stay tuned for that because I'm lining up this year's guest here and there. Nice. And, uh, and we will have a fantastic show next week. So you guys have a great week. Enjoy the cold if you're living in the Northeast or in the South because apparently it's cold there too. Um, <laughs> but have a wonderful weekend and I will see you later. And all your favorite podcast channels for my show. Thank you.